0: ladies and gentlemen children of all ages welcome to license to talk
1: all right Marky, we got a little year in review 2018 best
2: of kind of our picks you know. yeah we we went through and uh chose some of our favorites
1: and it just goes to show how how the the shows evolved
2: yeah, Papa Kreese started us off And we didn't we didn't have a, a best story from him But, you know, go back and listen Because he's got a lot to say He's a really smart guy Well,
1: current events, what's going on today That's a very good episode And we then we started going off Where we were going in chronological order with people And it was really fun to go down memory lane with these people
2: Yeah, I think that they enjoyed sharing their stories And now people are listening to him And talking to them about him, And it's kind of like, you know And rehashing,
1: and here we hear about the Caputi brothers and a little prankster in City Hall.
3: Yeah, well, that was the notorious uh, Patty Lonigan. They tortured these two guys, This Jimmy and Johnny Caputi. you got to see him first of all. The, the the one kid, you know, I mean, they're very nice guys. Don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, Jimmy Caputo is the longest tenured person in City Hall. I just saw him at our picnic the other day. I think he's got 54 years.
4: Holy shit.
3: 54 years in that, in that place. You believe it? Well, anyways, again. you know, he's like the comedian. He always been. I grew up with Patty, you know, it was always one, one thing after another with him. You never knew what it was going to be. So. You know, I told him, to like, Patty, you got to knock it off. You know, that's, you, we're coming to a day where you just can't do this stuff to people. Oh, okay, yeah, you got it. Oh, uh, Patty decides that one day he's got it all figured out. They walked in a city hall together in the back door. Now we're up on the third floor. He's got a pitcher of water. <laughs> Actually, he had two pitchers, one in each hand. He uh, let go. I mean, he nailed it. <laughs> All of a sudden, these two guys come walking in my office. That's it. That is it. Nope, we want him fired. I go, what? What what are you guys doing? What are we doing? Are they soaking wet? They're soaking wet. <laughs> they they got, they got, and I'm over there trying to be, you know, commissioner in, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. and and yeah. <laughs> and I'm doing what I can. Take, take the, the smile off my face over there. I said, You know, I'm going to have a serious talk. I'm going to put something in his record. I, you know, I, we might even give him time off on this one, you know. And I called Patty and he goes, I know. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> so then, then the poor guy, he always turned the light off when the kid went in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, the kid would be in the bathroom and it's totally dark in there. And then the one day he sees him go in there and he goes, He's in the stall. He goes, hey, Johnny, but the kid ain't answering. He goes, Johnny, the kid's still not answering. So Patty, of course, he going to check on him, make sure he's okay. So he climbs up the next stall, and he's looking over. He goes, hey, you all right? That's it. There he goes. He's hysterical. I don't even think he wiped his ass. He come running to my office over there, you know.
1: I've actually seen those Kamputi brothers, uh, Marky. It's (laughs) pretty interesting. Uh, All these great stories from Kinger. And Marky, you you did a great job with the cartoons in 2018 where you highlighted a lot of the stories that Ray told.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, drawing these guys up and and hearing what they actually thought of how they looked and stuff like that. It's it was a lot of fun and uh, you could check those out on YouTube. It's a uh, License to Talk on YouTube. Uh, we have a, we've been doing some intros and stuff. So
1: one of the stories you might see in those cartoons is from Joe Gannon. I mean, what a great story guy who went and broke down in a parking lot next to you know, he's on the hill. He really hustled and grinded and that's what we like here, Marky.
5: Yeah.
2: So here's a story from Joe uh, in, Enjoy. It's one of my favorites. So, you keep bouncing
1: around, and you end up with the Newark Bears in 2004 Independent League, and you walk into the clubhouse, and there's an actual Hall of Famer on your team. Tell us a little about that.
6: All right. So, uh, after I got released, I came home for a little bit and uh, told myself, you know, I'm going to just take a minute and see if this is something I definitely want to do, and you know, after about a week, I was like, "No, I gotta. I, I can't go out struggling. I, if I go out, I gotta go out. You know, doing something halfway decent." So I make phone calls to organizations, and there was a couple scouts that uh, I befriended while I was there, and uh, one of them was Mike Toomey, who was a great guy, another guy Pat Gillick, and they said, "Listen, just go go play some independent ball somewhere. Go to the Atlantic League. That's more Triple A." You know, there's big leaguers there, and, and, and see where it's at. So I called a couple people I knew there. Doc Edwards was a coach there, who was a coach at the Bisons when I was there. Bill Madlock was a coach there, who was a coach with the Bisons when I was there. Bill Madlock called me back right away and said, "Look, it. I'll bring you in. I can't guarantee you anything, but I can give you at least two starts because we got guys that are hurt. I said, I'll take whatever I can get. I drive down to Newark. My truck breaks down as I pull into Newark. I'm supposed to pitch that night. Wow. Okay, so I'm calling, and I finally get someone in the front office, this uh, Melissa, and I go, Melissa, uh, my truck broke down. And she's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just an intern. like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but I can't get to the ballpark. And she's like, where are you? So I tell her. So, like, four interns come and pick me up on the side of the highway. My truck gets towed. I pull in to the uh, stadium the game's starting at seven o'clock i'm there it's like 6 20.
1: and you've not you haven't been there i haven't even been there I this been is about. just like
6: allentown this is joe gannon fashion huh so i walk in and i tell him i uh, you know where's where's mad dog I, I come walking in and he's laughing and, and mad dog he's a great guy he's funny he's real laid back so he's like, "Well, do you still want to pitch?" I said, "Hell oh, yeah!" He goes, "All right, because after that one, you only have one, like one other start, so you better do it." <laughs> I go, All right. <laughs> so I go out and I pitch well, um, and uh, I came off the field, and uh, he says, uh, "You know, you know, nice job, blah blah." blah. Ricky Henderson comes walking up to me, and the first thing he says to me is, "Really? That's as fast as you can fucking throw?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's your, that's how you meet Ricky Henderson. Yeah. The best base stealer of all time oh, walks up. We're laughing because
6: he didn't say anything to me during the game. And, well, he was DHing too. So, So yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, what a character. What a great character for the game. And he was one of the most knowledgeable guys you'll ever meet. I mean, you know, everyone uh, gives him a rap of uh, uh, being silly or maybe not smart or, He's yeah, you every, heard the Road story. He's and, got every nickel he's ever made. Oh yeah, he's a cheap. He, cheap huh? no, 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 not at all. But he's smart. He's smart with his money. He's got a ranch, out in California. You know, he's he's sharp. You know, he's he's a lot sharper than he leads on or leads people to believe. But he is. Uh, uh, I mean, he could tell you when a guy was stealing. He could tell you pop times, uh, what a guy throws a second without even looking at a, a, a stopwatch. He could tell you when a pitcher was thrown over, you know, before they were doing it. I mean, just, you know, really smart baseball guy. But what a character. I mean, a riot. He was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun in the clubhouse. He took care of guys that didn't have money. We went out somewhere. He bought, you know, he That's was great. that guy. Yeah, he That's was, really great to hear. Yeah, and you don't hear that a lot. You know, guys probably keep that to themselves. He's not going to brag about it. But he took care of the guys that need to be taken care of. um you know, you uh, talk about being accountable. We used to play cards, and it was, uh, uh, we would play, like, uh, two card hands. So the high card hits, you know, it. Mm-hmm. and it would be a quarter hand. And we would just keep track of it on a pad. If you owe him 50 cents, he'd come in the next day as loud. You got my jits? <laughs> <laughs> you got my jits? A lot as he could. It, we, used to, we used to staple it on your uh, your locker, or stick it to your locker, $0.50.
1: Cents. I mean, this is 2004. How old Rick? I mean, he's
6: got He's be... about 47 years old, and he stole 40 bags that year. Woo! And, and, like, some of them are standing up.
1: Ricky steals second.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ricky talked about Ricky a lot, huh? Ricky was great.
6: <laughs> Ricky was great. He was the only guy, you know, that wore a thong in the shower.
2: Really? <laughs>
6: <laughs> Ricky didn't like to
1: share no, it, No, huh? he was a good dude. He was... Uh,
6: he was... Like I said, he was a good guy. You know, it's funny too because um, he didn't travel on the bus with us because he couldn't. Why is that? Because it would just like it was out of control how many people would be waiting for him at the hotel and stuff. Oh yeah, out of control. Well,
1: yeah, because you, you go to these small towns and it's. Did he attract a lot? A lot of. A yeah, lot he of helped fans? that
6: league out a lot. Oh, I bet. You know, Is
1: that kind of why guys like that do that, or are they doing it for the love of the game? No. He,
6: well, he got picked back up, went to the Dodgers. He, yeah, ended up he, in a big league.
1: he went to the Dodgers and then
6: finished in San Diego. Yeah. So uh, they're still playing because they want to play. Like, he took it serious. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough. I threw a no-hitter that year. Really? Okay. And that was the first game in two months that Ricky played the outfield. He caught the last three outs. Two of them were diving catches. Wow. And I have the video of it. Some kid did it for school, was videoing the game. He just happened to be videoing it. He videoed the game and sent it to me. So his last three catches. So he's running uh, to the foul line to catch balls. You know, he's diving for balls for me. For me. The guy who doesn't throw hard enough. Is this your only (laughs) no-hitter? No, I have two.
2: Two? But that was the first one I ever threw. And Ricky Henderson was back. Does, to yeah. does Ricky
6: Henderson hand you the ball? Yes. At the very end of the game. Wow. He comes up to me and hands me the ball.
1: Oh, my God. Still got that?
6: Uh, yeah, I gave it to my dad. I sent it to my dad.
1: My that dad. That's great. That See, that's what we're talking about oh, here, wow, Ricky. That's hustle. Ricky Henderson is a character. I love a Ricky Henderson story. So anytime you could hear that. So now you go to Greg Stirlace, mark and this was a quirky guy that we met who knew a lot of things about Buffalo and met a lot of people in it's Buffalo. It's kind
2: of like what we're doing. It was really funny to like talk to like a pioneer of what we're doing and uh you know when he was doing it it was a lot different and and he got to do it in a really weird way and be on television.
1: Yeah, we're still waiting for the he said he was going to have us on our show. Well, uh did he lose our number, Marky? Yeah. I don't know. We might have to have him back and call him out. On yeah, that. we're
2: gonna be telling stories like he's telling here. You know.
1: Yeah, I. He was an interesting guy. You gotta go back and listen to the Greg Sterling's episode, and here he talks about Scotty Bowman, Irv Weinstein, and uh, willy nilly, Mark. Everything was just willy nilly to this guy.
7: Yeah, just that's how hockey is.
1: Willy nilly. We've
7: been at a lot of special moments. Jimmy Griffin, and Jonathan Richmond, and of course when we went to Scotty Bowman's house.
1: Oh, talk about
7: that. That was wild. I took Ron. I don't give a damn about hockey, but Ron likes hockey, as you well know. And so I thought, oh, it'd be a nice gesture to invite Ron to Scotty Bowman's house. And we went there for we were there like over two hours. It was long, right? We went in his basement. It was great. We went in his basement. He liked us so much after the interview. He took us to his basement and he showed us all his stuff. He had piles of Scotty Bowman trading cards, pictures of him with all the uh, famous celebrities, and many. Oh, he had many Stanley Cups. We took photos with. What? The rug? The, oh, the rug thing, yeah. Paul was mentioning before we started recording. Yeah, and he had in the living room, he had a rug, a custom-designed rug that had four of the five teams he'd, he'd coach for up to that point. Or maybe it was four or six. I can't remember. He had four of them. He didn't have all of them. There was someone missing. I don't know if it was St. Louis or what, but he had Sabres and three other ones. But it was really... It was great, you know, I don't even like hockey, but I was, you know, so I was, my brother told me to ask him really bad questions. So my brother Mark said, you know, why can't you have a sumo wrestler in goal and just fill up the, <laughs> just get a sumo wrestler on its skates and just have him fill the goal? So It's like he didn't like that idea. And my my brother had an idea where you just get rid of the goalie and you just have a little, little hole and it, the game ends up being like 88 to 86 and he didn't like that idea. And then I said, Scotty, you know, Who's kidding? Who? It's willy nilly. It is the greatest coach in hockey history, right? Or one of the yeah, greatest, yeah, obviously. Not, yeah. but, I mean, technically, with nine Stanley Cup wins, right? Yeah. And and I actually I, I think because we talked to him around before he won with Detroit, I I think that we spurred him on to win with Detroit. <laughs> yeah. We helped him out. We gave him inspiration and confidence. But uh, I just feel like uh, what was my point here? Scotty Bowman. Oh. He, Oh, because you about the strategy thing. Oh, yeah, the strategy thing. So, I, oh, thank you, Paul. You have a good memory. It's a few seconds ago. Uh, I said, "It's all willy nilly bullshit, isn't it?" You just the puck just flies around. This is the greatest coach in hockey history. And we have him, on, uh, we had. Well, I had it on on tape, and we still have it. But he said, "He said, yeah, I basically just coach him up before the game and all week, and during the practices, and then the game's willy nilly." I'm like, "Exactly." He actually said, "This is Scotty Bowman going, yeah, there's no real strategy. What can I do? They're out the fucks flying around." I mean. I go, yeah, exactly. And everyone's always telling me strategy of hockey, strategy of hockey. He's like, and Scotty e. Bowman said, no, it's not really. What the game goes, it's flying. It's it's play by the seat of your pants. And I thought it was great to get him to admit that. Well, he didn't. Even, it wasn't like admitting, like getting a confession. He was like, yeah, obviously, Duh. No one ever, no one ever mentions that to me. But yeah, <laughs> I just sit at the bench in my suit, you know, and stand there. Irv, Irv Weinstein. Irv Weinstein. We. It was exciting. We went to the. We we got a hold of him and went to, and Richard Wickett, we asked Richard Wickett to go with us, he, you know, we were talking about him, I always, he was the, doing, You the, usually do the uh, videography, do the camera work, He's like, I don't want to go see Irv Weinstein, so we got a, got our friend to bring a camera to see Irv Weinstein, and, we, and Irv was like, well, wow, who are these punks? He met us in the lobby of Channel 7, outside, you're not in his office or anything, like, and we won him over, and we were winning him over, and then Tim Seracchi said, my co-host Tim, he said, you're from Rochester, Irv. I know that, I know that about you. And he's like, Oh, no one ever says that to me. Everyone thinks I'm from Buffalo. You're right, I am from Rochester. Come in my office. <laughs> and he took us in his office. He went past, we went past the security. He's like, I'm bringing these people in. And he and he want, I want to show you something. He took us in his office and he said, Look at this photo, Greg. It's me with Richard Nixon. He's <laughs> like, This is great, Irv. You and Richard Nixon, two seventies icons. <laughs> It was great. So we won him over and he was really ex- and then of course like always happens to me. I win people over. Like Jimmy Griffin, I kinda of won him over, but he said I don't wanna, you know, deal with you ever I would never go to a bison's game with you. When well, I saw him the next time at at a bison's game, I said, Jimmy, it's me He's like, Yeah, who who are you? <laughs> and I say to with effort with Irvin Weinstein. I thought we were really getting along, you know, he takes me to his office. I see him at a restaurant six months later, hey Irvin, I did that interview, he's like, who are you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mary Alice Demler, too. Who who are you? you Every Mary single L. time Dembler's I see yeah, I asked Mary Alice Demler on the show. Well, you had asked her on the show, Paul, right? And I said to Mary Alice Demler, would you like a glass of wine? And she said, yeah. I said, we don't, we don't serve wine in the show. What's wrong with you, Mary Alice? It's a professional show.
1: I love a good Buffalo uh, broadcaster story anytime we can get one. Mark.
8: I've
1: heard a couple before. Um, but you, you, then you turn it up
2: to a guy that ran away to the circus, Mark. Cirque Kane. Yeah he was a neighborhood favorite When we had him on uh, That's when we got started getting responses from everybody
1: Yeah the, we started really picking up speed Right when this came out Obviously a big family And uh, you know we're still waiting for number 88 To get his license to talk
2: Yeah but uh, Cirque was telling us a lot of stories Everything Circus related And then kind of got to the Pierce Arrow And connected yeah. all, the, all the other episodes in, Into the future Into our future we didn't even see yet Yeah and then he
1: talks about his dad taking him down to MSG to try to audition for Clown College. It was a very Cirque's very interesting, and I wish him luck in everything that he does.
2: Yeah, we just went through the season where we saw him a lot, and uh, he does his morning shows and talk about it on the show. So take Check a listen. It out.
0: So. Uh, so I applied to Clown College, and of course, did not get accepted. And that's what my father, his famous uh, joke would be, it was bad enough to have a son who applied to Clown College, now he'd have to tell people his son did not get accepted into Clown
2: College. What did you, how do you get accepted, do you have an audition? Absolutely,
0: like, okay. and it was at uh, Madison so just, Square Garden. No way! You just don't no. pay, you, you
1: have to be accepted.
0: Right, absolutely, and at the time, like they would get 3,000 applications and they would take 50 uh, kids. You know so wow. it was it was harder to get into the medical school so i didn't feel bad when i wasn't accepted but uh, god loved my dad he took me to new york city we flew down there and we auditioned at madison square garden and it, i was one of hundreds that's and so there was, cool it, it was all media and i soon realized like, this is just a publicity stunt, you know, that are they really watching yeah. what we're doing and stuff? And so I said, Dad, let's get out of here. And he said, oh, no. And when they said, anybody else want to show us stuff? My father was like, over here and made me. What was me... your act at the time? It was pretty pathetic, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I had, and don't ask me why, but I had a wig with pigtails. And when I would do a magic trick, the pigtails would go up, like, oh, <gasps> amazing, you know. And oh. WOR, Channel 9 uh, TV, interviewed me down there and they said do you think you're funny and the pigtails went up <gasps> yes i do <laughs> and so that's uh and, and, and it's a true story that i went there instead of my senior prom well, 17
1: it. 18 years old
0: yes and audition and i got uh, media coverage here in buffalo we used to get that station wor9 yeah. so all my buddies saw me on tv oh my god you're gonna make it you're you know right? yeah, thank god no i didn't go to the... anything.
1: that. then i mean that's two four seven thank thank you so yeah. I
0: thought the career has just taken off. But I should have known because one of the uh, things on the application, and this is absolutely true, send us a picture of yourself in a bathing suit. Really? Yes. And I thought, hmm, that's different. Really uh, oh, you but it's what? because <laughs> why now? <laughs> but because Ringling had such big production numbers, they would have this wardrobe made. And if you were okay. replacing a clown from the year before, could you fit in the wardrobe? And of course I could not, but I thought I was so funny. I had the picture taken. I had a beach ball in front of me smiling like I'm at the beach. So, oh, they gotta love this. And yeah. Of clowns
1: course, aren't like linebackers. You don't need to be a cut six, two great looking guy. Well, you know. when I
0: went to another circus, that's what they told me is that it's not cookie cutter. You all have to look different. Yeah. Short people, tall people, sure. fat people, skinny people, all that kind of stuff. That's what a clown alley really is. But again, Never wanted to be a clown. Never wanted to be a clown. No, nope. so I got rejected by Clown College, but I was still in, at Timon, um, my senior year, and I worked at Pierce Arrow, which was a disco tech to yeah. show my age. Legendary.
1: Uh, we had Louis Mastillo on uh, Markey, and he started connecting dots and. Told us a fascinating story that him and Cirque were in acting school together.
2: And you wouldn't believe the the names he puts up. James Gardner taught him how to act in sitcoms. I mean, unbelievable stories and he, from the neighborhood.
1: Louis uh, actually uh, has seen the cartoons that you've done and really enjoys uh, the acting that he's doing in them. And, he's
2: a very good actor.
1: Yeah, and he wished us uh, happy holidays. That was very nice of him. And we kind of made a friend, Mark. It, feels good and i mean louis my favorite episode it, it was a lot of fun recording this episode down in the first ward thank you to sarah heidinger that uh helped us out down there enjoy
9: Let's see. What else? And then, yeah, the Arrow. You, do you guys know about the Pierce oh, Arrow? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: We've had people. Cirque
9: was just on here talking about the Pierce oh, Arrow. Oh, legendary place. Yeah, we, he was
3: talking about you, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said you were his inspiration. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. We, he, He's a talented guy, man. I've seen him. I've seen his, I saw his solo show in New York. Mm-hmm. And then he was in an acting class i i brought him into uh, the acting class i was in with this teacher janice powell who i still is my teacher you know a mentor and she directed me in three of my solo shows she directed bartenders okay and uh she was really sad when uh when Cirque uh, chose to leave because she said he was he was innately talented but he loved the circus, you know, that was his passion. It's unbelievable, isn't that it? That was his passion. Speaking of the pierce I was talking the other day, You know, um, we used to go to this guy, Mike Rockwood's house after um, closing, so 4, 4.30. Yeah. And he used to have these crab races. Cra- like real Like crabs, crabs. so he'd have the crabs and he'd put, he he'd white paint, he had the numbers on the crabs like one to four or one like so there was five crabs there was no place betting or show betting you had to bet to win okay so he would put his circle put a circle of rope out and he would put a glass bowl over it and he would put a strobe light on him and it would freak him out <laughs> like the crabs i don't know how he found this out that he must have tried different things but he would put the strobe light on it and the crabs would just start to freak out right and then he'd take the thing off and they'd all start to run towards the, and you'd cheer for your crap. <laughs> we would do this for hours. So one night, we're all, you know, he's setting it up and everybody, you know, and everybody's trying different uh, uh, mind-bending uh, uh, experimentals. <laughs> and uh, we look in the kitchen and the and the big guy's in there, you know, Mac, Mac McGaugh. Oh yeah. So the big guy's in there with the freezer open, with a frying pan, and he's beating the shit out of the freezer. Like he's like, and I mean, Gray, he's stepping back like he's swinging and he hits it again and he comes back and he's ducking, he's hitting the freezer again, right? So finally somebody looks over says, Mac, what the fuck are you doing? So Rockwood runs over, he goes, Mac, what are you doing? He goes, Rocky, you got something live in your freezer. So what happened? He was looking for ice in Rockwood Hunts. He had like the uh, the pelts in there, the fur, like you know, it's the pelts. So Mac feels some furry, jumps back, he grabs a he grabs a frying pan, and starts beating the fuck out of the refrigerator. Rocky, you got some live in your freezer.
2: <laughs>
9: <laughs> and Cirque used to perform there. This is great. This is how he thought of it. Cirque we used to go there at right at, and and it would be jam packed and Cirque would set up in the corner and he'd do his whole act. Everybody, you know, smoking whatever they had on him, and he would do his whole act in front of everybody. He was and he was so poised and anybody tried to bust his balls, he had to come back. So he was Oh great yeah, with, he was yeah, all over me. Yeah, yeah
1: he was great. So- ah, hilarious. He Louis' so talented. We met a very smart woman. For the next episode, Mark uh, Lisa Marie Redmond.
2: Yeah, I checked her book out. It's awesome. It was a really fun read. It was cool to kind of know the city and have her talk about it and the places she made up and to you know be on the kind of inside of of something that's really cool. And she's got another uh, book coming out, the murder book. I think that comes out in February.
1: Yeah, and uh, she said sales were up uh, in a one four two two zero. So yeah, thanks yeah, yeah. to the listeners, you guys have been very supportive uh, throughout this and. It was, good to, it was good to sit down. It was a fascinating interview where not a lot of laughs, but we got a couple out of her, and uh, she threw down a little
2: booyah. And I,
1: and yeah. I think we were kind of like, all right, yeah. we're going
2: somewhere with this I one. I didn't know that uh, there was like a writing challenge. Yeah. They got and, competitive.
1: Yeah, and she uh, she was a good time. A very smart woman,
2: and uh, we wish her luck. And, buy, buy her book. Yeah, and very interesting stories. She cracked tons of cases and talks about how much work it takes to, you know, make something like that happen and you know, she's a real team player and yeah, she's always retweeting our stuff and everything. Thanks, Lisa. Enjoy.
1: Talk a little history about being a writer and then where it takes off.
5: So, while while I'm being a police officer, I'm still writing. I'm writing short stories. I'm writing um you know, bad drafts of of novels, and you know one of the things about being a writer is you have to you have to take time to to write, and w- especially when you have a, a case like like the bike path rapist case or the Joan Giambra case, um, those things really. on you emotionally, physically, mentally. You have to have an outlet. And you know, I'm not the stereotypical, you know, I'm not gonna fall into a bottle, you know, start chain smoking. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: I threw myself into writing because it's very uh, therapeutic for me because I get to pick the endings. They're not always a happy ending, but I get to pick the endings. And a very wonderful thing actually happened was that my, husband's best friend opened a bookstore called the Dog Ears Bookstore in South Buffalo.
1: (laughs) We happen to be here, Mark.
5: (laughs) And it's a wonderful little bookstore. And one of the things that happened was he started a writer's group at the Dog Ears Bookstore. And I started attending the writer's group on Thursday nights. And that made sure that every Thursday I would have to have at least four or five pages to share with the group. And that had motivated me to really concentrate on writing. And one night I was having an argument with a dear friend of mine about making that kind of time. And she said to me, you know, well, there's no way that I can always have four or five pages and nobody has that kind of time and it just can't be done. And um, I kind of looked at it like... Uh, gauntlet thrown down, challenge accepted. I came in the next Thursday and dropped 85 pages down in front of her and went, booyah. (laughs) And the main character in my book, A Cold Day in Hell is named Lauren Riley. And that, um, who is, she's one of my best friends. Her daughter's name is Riley. And it's absolutely named after her daughter, sort of an in your face type of thing (laughs) to her. So. I guess our um, mutually abusive relationship is responsible for the, the birth of my book in a way.
1: Next, we had a couple stick heads. Uh, one came in studio, one was on the hotline, uh, Mike Brand from Grand Island fame. Uh, he came to talk, talk to us about a fabled turn in England, Mark.
2: Yeah, he had a lot. he has lots of stuff. You should check out his episode a lot about lacrosse, making music. It's very interesting. Enjoy. You hit the newspapers another way, though, there.
4: Oh, yeah. So as everyone knows, you know, England isn't the uh, easiest place to drive, uh, considering that we're on an opposite side of the road and the car is, you know, you are in the United States and cars are smaller. And frankly, the roads are older. Uh, and driving down a hill into a city, I my back end skidded out. I was literally going backwards down this road and there was a kind of about a foot and a half high pile of rocks at the side of the road is like a makeshift guardrail that flipped my car over and I was sideways against a tree perfectly. The tree was right down the middle, down the sunroof. Uh, hurt myself getting out of the car, but if that tree wasn't there, it was probably, I would have rolled down this hill probably 30 to 40 times. It was that steep and that, that big of a drop um so luckily that tree was there but but it's a fable you know, it was a fabled turn right Yes. Yeah, so there i, I still have a newspaper here and um it was a a stretch called sally in the woods and the legend was that there was this woman sally that haunts it who died on those streets i don't know how many long how many hundreds of years ago or however many years ago but um yeah, the, the, if you saw this street and saw that it was 60 miles an hour, you would be shocked. It should be about 30, you know, and a um, little couple minutes late to a, uh, you know, elementary school to teach lacrosse, and the car was a little old, and maybe the tires were a little too bald, and skidded out a little bit in the back and almost almost took a tumble. It
2: almost, almost renamed that road,
4: huh? Yes. Brand? I would not have... I, I, that's not
1: something I want. <laughs> Brand the Bloke. Mike's a good guy. He was, he's been a supporter of the show since day one. and uh, Good episode with Mike.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike.
1: And then we got Ribs coming up. Who, who does it all, Mark? Takes pictures. He draws. He does this. He's got an opinion about that. He and, knows.
2: A, he's got his finger on the heartbeat of a lot of things going on. Yeah,
1: and if you listen to his episode, you'll find out how he discovered
2: something that's never been seen in north america in this clip yeah it's uh, he was trying to find something rare and he found something much rarer and of course he was with bob whalen another alumni yeah he probably missed the shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey get this one he's wearing his stormtrooper cast him yeah that might be a cartoon murky <laughs> enjoy
8: more starlings
4: What's, what's the
1: rarest bird that you've, you've actually seen with your own eyes, maybe even with a camera?
8: Um. So my friend Bobby Whalen, we did a lot of traveling looking for birds. And um, the one time we went, we literally took a plane to Florida to look for flamingos. There was one flamingo. They used to be a bird that lived in Florida. And of course, people shot them in the heads, and there's no more flamingos. Or run yeah, it would have, so whatever. <laughs> they were just plasticized them. <laughs> them. So, um, so we went to we went to Florida uh, looking for the uh, flamingo, and we get there, and uh, it's not there. Of course, you know, cause you spend all that money and time and energy to look for a bird, and it's not there. And uh, this guy's like, oh, you know, there's a great white pelican in Ding Darling National Wildlife Refuge or whatever, and we're like. Uh, Yeah, yeah, a white pelican No, 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 not a white pelican A a great white pelican Which is uh, an African pelican Which is like The wingspan is like 11 feet Or something like that And they're fat And they have like streaks of pink and yellow And I was like, "Uh, okay So we went went there And uh, we looked all day And uh, we found a flock of like uh, 250 white pelicans And we looked through them and we found it, and uh, that was the uh, first recorded record of a great white pelican ever in the Western Hemisphere, and uh, we, we found it. So. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Some guys find their keys, Marky.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we had Bobby Whalen in, Mark. Bob's a fascinating guy. Uh, he's a
2: superhero. He does it all. He's very talented. Thanks for sharing your stories, Bob.
1: Well, and of course it was. We always want to know who have you met, and Bob's always in the air, and uh, he met Keyshawn Johnson, and it, it, it threw you off guard. You love this one,
2: yeah. And then, and then the Doug Flutie. Who, if he gets mentioned one more time,
1: yeah, I think we might be getting the Beetlejuice effect with Doug Flutie, because as you'll see in the future, the good Doug Flutie stories coming on up. Uh,
10: enjoy this and I had Keyshawn Johnson on my flight. And just by chance, this is so random, um, I love coaching, so I was reading John Gruden's book, which is called, So You Love Football? And so I was reading John Gruden's book, I had it with me, and Keyshawn's on my flight, and in the book, there's a part about the Super Bowl when John Gruden was the coach and Keyshawn was on the team, and at the end of the game, they took Keyshawn out of the game and put someone else, they put like a different package in and Keyshawn was mad about it. So, and this was like a famous like feud, like not feud, but like they were mad at each other. And it was like, there was, uh, they showed the highlights of the argument and stuff like that. And so I was like, I went up to him and I said, hey, um, I love love, uh, watching you on TV. He was a commentator at the time. I think I paid him a compliment about that, and I said, uh, "I just, I just happen to have Coach Gruden's book with me, and there's a part where he talks about you. Would you mind uh, just, if you could just write whatever you want in the book, that would be great." <laughs> so I give him the book, and uh, I can tell when I give him the book, I go, I leave him, I go away. But I'm like, looking, you know, from my galley, I'm peeking out to see, and I can tell he never read this before. So he flips back. You don't say. He flips back, he reads the whole chapter. From the beginning of the chapter, I see him read all the pages. And then he writes in the book, John Gruden is a used car salesman. (coughs) Never believe a word he says. Come on, man. (laughs) No way. So that was my Keyshawn Johnson uh, interaction. He was he was pretty cool though. It was that was nice. It was really nice of him to do that.
1: I bet you he went back to his studio and told that story to whoever he was working with at the time too. I,
10: I could tell he hadn't read the book.
2: So Jim, what do we got uh, lined up for 2019 here? Got a lot cooking, Mark. You know, I had a decision to make, and
1: uh, License to Talk has made a decision. We're gonna treat this like we said originally. We will not talk politics or religion on License to Talk. Good rule. If you're if you're a retired politician, yeah, we'll talk to you. You know, you got you want to tell some war stories, but I don't think it's healthy. Uh, now, people have always they've been coming up to me saying, you know, I love the release. Uh, there's always something going on with the president or anything. It's a good release to listen to you guys. And I don't, I, I, I'm out of touch of reality. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, you know. But, uh, you know, we've had a lot of guys. You, 2019. I mean, we put out a list, and that that list was, 90 percent of those guests are booked. And yeah, Liam McHugh will be coming up in the new year. Uh, we actually recorded it earlier today, and that went great, Mark.
2: Yeah, Kevin Cox as well. That was a, a amazing interview because. Right off the bat, we we had no idea What he did for half his life it,
1: And then boom, it, he lays it on us And you'll love that interview But uh, no, but I love the band You guys are doing great Look for more cartoons from Marky The guests that we got lined up And the maybes that we have The definites are great, Marky You're looking at the list right now And the maybes are yeah.
2: The ones we crossed off are great
1: Yeah <laughs> But uh, we want to thank everyone for a good First year, first year under the belt, uh, feels good. 2019 is going to be bigger and better. I'd like to thank all our sponsors, and uh,
2: thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening. Uh, we ain't going anywhere.
4: Hello. Hey, Liam,
1: how are you? Jim Crean here. I'm with Mark and Jack. We're uh, this is the
2: podcast license to talk. We'll start recording in a second. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
2: This has been Licensed to Talk. Follow us on Twitter at JCisL2T, Instagram Licensed to Talk, and subscribe on YouTube at Licensed to Talk.